This is a Think Live Be production. Yeah, you're in college, you go out, you stay out late, and then you have to be up and go to classes. So then that's that, like, I'm crashing. I got to refresh myself before I (laughs) go back out on the- Get up and do it again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But um, so this this weekend was interesting. Was it this weekend? Yeah, they they, um, launched, finally, the SpaceX launched the- I said space shuttle earlier today. Rocket. <laughs> we're, Rocket. we're in a different uh, decade now. Um, they launched a, a private rocket into space. Uh, it was really exciting to watch. And all I could think about was like how much teamwork and effort and collaboration went into that to make that happen. Yeah. Like, to build a rocket into space with... Yeah, like uh, so many Out of things. NASA. It wasn't even with NASA. So it's like they created their own rocket science to make rocket science happen. Well, yeah, they had the, like. so many people had to be a part of that to make that happen. And then collaborating with NASA to have the astronauts to do it. And then all the way to like I was watching the actual docking and the camera feed that was showing the, the docking was actually a Japanese camera. So like because it was an international space station. So just all all the people and teams that come together to make such a big thing happen. It's really interesting to think about like how, how teamwork really works and how to make that come together on such a big scale. And it all starts with like a big vision, right? Like his vision of colonizing Mars and then go and then working backwards. And I'm not going to laugh at that because that will happen. I know it will. Cause it's Elon and maybe our, he's, maybe our, he's determined. Maybe our vision should be, um, we should think a little bigger. We will be the first realtors on Mars. <laughs> There's there are no houses there. Well, once they colonize, <laughs> oh. because by the time I'm old enough that I normal people would die, the um, we'll have figured out how to like take people's brains and move them into. Oh, all right. Then. I like the heat too. The atmosphere would be nice. I think I'd be comfortable. I, I'm I'm with it. It's very retirement yeah. plans. Twenty forty five. Kayla Cat. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. Um, but, but seriously, it's crazy to think about like the checklist that there must be the perfect checklist to get a rocket all like all the way up into space, like everything that they have to check off and say, okay, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this. And now we can actually uh, launch this thing. Yeah. Through trial and error and sitting in rooms and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and throwing things away and then saying, nope, this is a good idea. Let's keep that. And then, uh, keeping everybody uh, abridged of what's happening at all times. Yeah, just the communication, the level of communication to make that happen. It's crazy. But that's, I mean, that's that's a a system that they put into place to, this is how we launch someone into space. And it's much like, like on a much smaller scale, like when we sell real estate, we have to have systems and processes to do things. And whenever I see something really big like that, though, I always think like, Gosh, that's our system look like, like, well, we always say like real estate is not rocket science and it's literally not (laughs) our, our checklists are are so much more simple and yet a lot of agents don't have them and don't document their processes. And yeah, it's really important to make sure that you can, 
get from point A to point B and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be repeatable and everybody has to understand what it is. Otherwise you have some guy sitting in a chair in NASA who says, no, I think I'm going to do it this way. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really like, I don't really like that way. I don't think that's necessary. I'm going to do this. I don't think that would fly. No, no, absolutely not. So uh, if you just extrapolate to any business, having systems in place that everybody understands is how everybody stays on the same page. Yeah. Yes. And being a part of the team is understanding if somebody does have an idea or a change to the checklist, talking about it and not just ignoring it because it takes a team to create the checklist. Like for when you and I create things, it's not just me doing it. It's you having second eyes on it or me having second eyes on it or Pat. Like we have to have a full yes to the checklist. True, but you don't let the janitor give ideas for. Uh, <laughs> well, no, yeah, I mean, qualify. Yeah, that because that's that that is, we've kind of touched on on people not knowing their place, right? As well, like what when you're hired for a certain job in the organ in any organization your opinion and idea might not be um, embraced if you weren't hired for that role. Yeah. You've got to have um, value to, to come up with ideas, but it's through, it's through trial error experiences. And that's part of that, right? Like if you join a team and you don't have experience, then you may not have any knowledge or advice to give on how to make something better or how to make the yeah. process better because exactly. you don't have the experience to bring to it yet, yeah. which is like all of our systems and checklists and processes that we have for things are all done because of experiences that we've had or that I had as a single agent. I was like, never doing it that way again. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we fixed, you know, and then we fixed it we made it better and better and better. Um, so that at the end of the day, we have this duplicatable process that works for us. Um, oh, by the way, we're on a podcast what? and you're listening to <laughs> you're listening to our podcast. It's called Seeking the Best, where we try to seek out the best in ourselves as we try to overcome the personal hurdles as real estate professionals. I'm Catherine Stelgis, and across from me is my director of operations, Kayla Boundy. And then our sound engineer, Patrick. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Oh, I remembered to do that on my own, by the way. I know. I was starting to get antsy. <laughs> I, I We get into our uh, conversation and then I forget to let everyone know what they're listening to. They actually do know because they, they chose they to, chose to this subscribe and hit play. But, this is you true. know. <laughs> Well, they, they know the name. They know the just name of the show, but you, they don't really know if it's their first time listening what they're listening to. This is true. Yeah. Well, and we, we, um, we've tried. I mean, that's the, when we talk about seeking the best. The whole idea behind the podcast was that we're constantly looking for the best ways to do things. So our checklists and everything that that we have today is through that process of. Do we do it this way for a while? And I did it this way for as a single agent. And then I kept fine tuning, fine tuning, fine tuning, making it better and better and better, added an assistant, made it better and better and better until we here we are today. And now we have specific things in place so that we know we'll be more productive. Agents that we bring on will be more productive. And everybody at the end of the day gets the same experience as a consumer. So they're happier too. So they know like if they refer their friend and family that they're going to, they're going to have the same experience, even though there's 
every real estate transaction is completely different, that we've got so many processes that are exactly the same so that you know everything happens for them the same way. And it also, yeah. uh, by having those systems in place, it's almost like a, a, a treasure map of of making sure you don't fall into ravines or into the quicksand. Um, you've, you've, uh, gone through the, the jungle enough times to, um, make, make a map to avoid those things. So, uh, some of those systems are to avoid problems that have happened before. Yeah. Oh, like forgetting an HOA or a home warranty. (laughs) Don't list all the things we've done wrong. No, <laughs> it's only been mistakes once, and then we make a checklist out of it. Well, yeah, there and there's there's checklists for individual things, and then there's a bigger checklist, like a, a master system for, like for example, we can talk about um, getting a, a buyer. From the time you set a buyer appointment to the time the buyer closes, there are a specific list of things that have to happen for each person that we come into contact with and each step of the way. And then that way we know that we, first of all, we know that we've taken them, that they're seriously our buyer. (laughs) And we know again, that we're giving them the best properties and we know that we're going to find them a home. And so just making sure that all those things happen. And then once they're under contract, then there's an additional checklist, like what you were just talking about to make sure that each point in the contract is met and that nothing is forgotten and that we don't, um, yeah, like we don't, forget have any delays. Yeah. We don't have any delays. We don't forget that something was supposed to convey and it didn't or any of that stuff that, you know, yeah, it comes from experience of like, oops, I forgot to do this. So I better make, I better add this to the checklist now. (laughs) Now it's never been anything that's like torn the deal apart or made the deal fall apart. It's just things that we shouldn't have to think of last minute and then rush through and do. We kind of want to be more proactive and present it as if we know it's supposed to be there. And you only know that is if you create your process. Well, yeah. And it's documented so that it doesn't get forgotten because that's like, I remember as a single agent, you know, I didn't need to tell anyone my system because it was just me. So it was all up in my brain. So I'd go about my day, but I would, you know, there was still a system to the way I did things. And then I, over time realized I really need to write this down to some degree because I don't want to have to keep remembering like, oops, I forgot to do that. I forgot to do that. And then you make your own checklist as a single agent. And then when you bring on somebody else, that's the real challenge. Cause then you've got to get everything from your brain out to them so that they can make a checklist that works for them that is also scalable as because we're now adding somebody else into the process. So what are the steps that they're involved in and what do they need to do? There are specific things though that I think for us, like talking about buyers specifically, that I can point to the exact moments where I was like, okay, we're going to do this now in our process. And like, so why don't you, why don't you take that from the beginning? So a buyer, a potential buyer calls on a sign. Let's just use that as an example and take that buyer so that listeners know, everybody knows the basics of 
you show them houses, they pick a house, they write a contract. That's not a system. So take them through what an actual, what the actual system would be from the first time they call what you've done and added to us to create the system all the way through, uh, them ending up on our VIP program. Well, there's too many steps in there. There but, are. So there are. I was just going to say, that's a lot. <laughs> it's too many steps, Pat. Too I, but like I said, but not avoid, avoid the stuff that every realtor already knows the things yes. that you do. No, there, so there's, I'll, I'll say there are specific things. So I'll, I'll, I'll maybe come up with like five or six things that we do that are not every agent does and why we do it that way. Yes. Um, so Number one, so if somebody called on a sign and we set an appointment, we use a calendar system called Calendly to set the appointment because it does a couple of things for us. It automatically syncs with my calendar, so it'll pop the appointment in there. And then I know I can also um, know that I'm not available at that time if I'm trying to choose the, the time slot for them. And it also sends them an auto reminder. So why do we use Calendly? Because it eliminates the follow-up reminder. Like we no longer have to call to remind them about the appointment because Calendly does the auto reminder for us. So it's automating our system and it's also taking a little bit of stress out of all I have to do is go open up Calendly and it's going to sync with my calendar and tell me when I'm actually available. So I don't have to think about it. So why? why? Well, I can think back to some times where people didn't show up to their appointments. You set an appointment on the phone with someone and they seem motivated and serious and then they don't show up to their appointment. And so, you know, we said, oh, that doesn't work because that's a big waste of our time. Right. So we said we need a, a program or system for setting appointments so that people know they're happening and they don't forget, including us. So that was, that's our, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a tool that we use that's part of the system. And before we used Calendly, I had a, um, like a, a, basically a checklist, an action plan is what it was called at the time where I would send out a confirmation email with a link to a video and the Calendly does this for me. So I'd send that out with the the video explaining who we are, a guide to buying a home and directions to our office, all that information that they would need. And then I would have to remind myself though, I'd have to set reminders manually to call them and remind them about the appointment or text them or email them. So it still was the same system. We just added a different tool to make it more automated. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. But that, that by doing that, it eliminated people not showing up as much. Um, not that we had a ton of that, but it's just, even if it only happens one or two times, you start to think, how can I make sure, sure whole, that never happens again? Yeah. It's your whole Saturday morning. Maybe you were going to do something for yourself or you had other plans and, and you wasted the whole morning getting ready and putting your package together and going, driving into the office, sitting there waiting, giving them an extra 10 minutes, not knowing that always makes it feel longer, not knowing if they're going to show up. So that avoids that situation entirely. What was the, one of the other things that you did? Um, well, so at the beginning, I think, so a lot of people don't do buyer consultations 
So when you set an appointment with a buyer, you're just setting it to go show them a house. Right. So somebody calls and says, I want to see one, two, three main street. You have the, you have the listing, the signs in the yard. Yeah. And I, I want to see one, two, three main street. Um, can you open the door for me so I can see it at two o'clock? Yes. And when I was a single agent, I made that mistake a few times too, where I would go out and I would meet people and show them a property or show them multiple properties sometimes. And then they would never respond again because they either they weren't serious. They had an agent that their agent was just too busy to show them and they don't understand how it works. Like, so you can be mad at the consumer, but ultimately it's your fault because you agreed to go open the door knowing that time is your value, your, your money. And, um, so now you, now they have to come into the office while we've been doing virtual aside from the pandemic. Of course, of course they are required to come into the office. And if they don't want to come into the office, sorry, too bad. (laughs) You know, good luck. You must not be serious. Yeah. Good luck buying a house, you know, and it weeds out the people that aren't serious right from the get go. Yeah. And every now and then, um, I'm sure if you talk to, you know, a a large group of agents and you ask them how they do business, um, a a lot of people will say, oh yeah, I, I, I just go show them the house and it works out. It's like, yeah, but not all the time. And so why, why set your system or your process up so that you never really know it's not a business system. If you're just like, fingers crossed, this person calls me back, (laughs) you know? So they, so we set it up so that when we set an appointment, they're coming into the office and that's, um, that shows that they're serious enough to, to meet with us. It also sets it up as a business transaction that's going to happen. Yes. And I also, yes, no, I've made that mistake before. And, um, somebody's phone is ringing in the background. (laughs) Sorry, technology. Uh, I've made that mistake before where you go to Starbucks. I really don't recommend this either. I've still done this a few times in recent years when it's like a a friend of a friend. Right. Or or I've seen you do that where it's like they want to see a house that is a hundred miles away from the office or a satellite office and there's nowhere else to meet and they would have to drive an hour to get to your office or something like that. Yeah. Well, but it's rare. Yeah. I think you can, um, you can be accommodating, but always look for the closest Keller Williams office. Um, a hundred miles is a little far. Yeah. I don't go that far. I was being, yeah. (laughs) But, um, but, when you meet at Starbucks, it's noisy. You may not be able to get on internet. I know they've got guests and stuff, but sometimes you're going to run into those technology issues. You can't print and copy anything. You can't scan in any documents if you go over anything with them, like which you'll get which into. Which will later. lead into yeah. So so setting it up as a business appointment, just like any other business appointment, and then giving them the calendar reminder, and then all of those things. Just again, it it makes you look more professional, anyways. But those are all just steps in the process, and they have to they have to set the appointment. We have to have their email so that they can get that unless they're an older person. And then every now and then we'll set it without an email if they're really old and they don't use email. And then they have to come into the office. Those are the steps. And then when they're in the office and after the consultation, another part of the process and system is they have to sign a loyalty agreement that is in place because had somebody uh, screw me over before. <laughs> um, and in fact, may I go down a rabbit hole for a moment? <laughs> let's um, let's take a real quick break. Oh, okay. Okay, let's take a break. 
and we're back. Okay, I have been given permission to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> no, it's not really that far down. I, it is tied into this loyalty agreement, but it's the reason that we added this. What is this. what is it? Explain oh. what it is first. Oh, okay. Well, so when you work with buyers, um, you know, you can use a, most states have like an exclusive agency agreement that you can sign where a buyer says that they're exclusively working with you as their agent. And then there's also, you know, everybody's state is different. So I don't know, but in ours, ours is really wordy and there's some obligation for the buyer to pay you, um, you know, if they end up buying a for sale by owner, um, or some other things. So it's a little bit wordy and a little bit too legal ease for me. Um, I've tried that, but what led me to start even attempting that? Cause I used to, I used to, you know, I've been through several phases. This is that experience thing. And then you change your system. It's, it's okay to evolve it and change it. Uh, you get to a certain level and you say, this isn't working for me anymore. I need to make changes and make this tighter and whatever. Well, so for a while I didn't use anything. And then one time I had these buyers that were very nice people, but we went under where we went to make an offer on a property that they were interested in. And the, the, um, the seller would not agree to pay their closing costs. And it was a really tight deal. Like they really, really wanted the house. It was perfect. Blah, blah, blah. The seller would not pay their closing cost. And that was the only way they could buy the house. And so they asked if I would pay from my commission their closing costs. And I said, no, <laughs> because, and if you're here, if you're listening to do this not do that. and you're a realtor, it's like, this is how we make a living. And, you know, first of all, I don't think financial, I don't remember exactly what the amount was, but like I would have made almost $0. So it's like, I'd been working with these people for a long time. Now, some of you might say like, well, at least you would have made something and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you have to sometimes take a stand and say, that isn't right. We've been working together and I'm supposed to be paid for my services. And so I said, no, they ended up making an offer with someone else. They went and found an agent that would pay for almost all their closing costs because they didn't have to do any of the upfront work, right? So if they only made a little bit yeah. of the commission, all it they didn't do matter because all they had contract. to do is write right. the offer. And, um, or at least that's what they thought, you know, I, I don't think, I don't really know all the circumstances after that, but I do recall that, um, she called me back later, like, you know, a couple weeks later and asked if I would help them because that deal fell through and asked if I would help them find another home. And I said, only if you sign an exclusive buyer's agency agreement. Because again, nothing against them, but I didn't think that it was fair for us to move forward. They could do the same thing and do the same exact thing. Again. And then I could have spent no another three months um, showing houses, doing all, doing my job, and then them do the same thing. So um, they didn't want to sign it, which I was like, okay, well, sorry. They basically told you, <laughs> we will screw you. Yeah, we will do it again. If, if the opportunity exists. Right. And I learned a lot in that. I think, um, number one, I learned that like people will do whatever to get what, whatever they think is best for them. Like they will screw over anybody and everybody just to get what they want. So, um, 
that sounds that's, that's like real dark, but 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 it's true sometimes. That's why like, you have to protect yourself. That's what yes, these systems this, do. This is a they protect it's you. It's a business, and there is just like in a listing agreement, there is a protection agreement in there, and sometimes people leave that blank too. And then I go in to compete for a listing, and they're like, "Well, another agent said they would pay. You know, they would charge me zero dollars if I wanted to withdraw." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, and maybe they're not doing anything to." you know, market your listing. I don't know, but I need a protection. I need to know that we're on the same page and that you respect what I'm doing for you. So I I learned a lot. It was super liberating to be able to tell someone no, by the way, like if you ever get to that, that point, or if you've ever done that in the past, you know what I'm talking about when you're able to say no to a client. Cause you're like, you know what? I just don't want to work with you or no, that doesn't work for me. That is a really great feeling. You know you've made it. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. So, so they <laughs> went and happen often. That that was a exclusive buyer's agreement, and then you switched yes. it into a loyalty agreement. Yes, because I think from that point forward, I was like, I'm never going to work with another buyer without signing something. But then I kind of researched, um, you know, what my options were, and I learned about a loyalty agreement, which is just an outline of your duties as an agent, and then what you're asking of the buyer. And so there's no real compensation explained. I mean, it does kind of explain that, you know, you're paid by the seller or whatever. Sometimes. Um, I don't mean sometimes you're paid by the seller. I just mean sometimes a loyalty agreement can talk about compensation, but it it doesn't have all the same legal language. It's just an agreement. It's a commitment that says, I'm working with you uh, to help you accomplish these goals and you're committed to me. It's basically a piece of paper, but it's a spit and a handshake. Yeah. And if you won't sign it, you're telling me that you're not loyal or committed to working with me. And therefore, I don't want to move forward with you. And so same thing here. This is the system. We've set the appointment. We've made them come into the office. We've asked them to sign a commitment to work with us. If at any stage they're saying no to these things, we're saying no to them. And that has to be like whatever you choose. Every single time. Yeah. That's the system. And when you, that's how you can eventually, we'll get further into this, but for right now, that's how you can eventually bring in agents, buyers agents, if you wanted to create a team, um, and have them follow these steps. Everyone follows the same steps. Yeah, they they have to because it's it allows, first of all, it allows everybody to be more productive because we know that if we're spending time with people who have signed the commitment, they're a lot more likely to actually buy and close on a home. Right. And so... You're not wasting your time showing houses to people who aren't committed to you. Yes. And... You know, everybody, again, you get to choose. It's your business. So you can choose to meet people anywhere. I would just make it something consistent. You know, you can choose to use an exclusive buyer's agency agreement. And maybe that will mean that you have less people that will get to that part, but you'll have super serious ones. Right. And and you'll never have to worry about, you know, if a for sale by owner won't pay you. (laughs) Right. We've talked multiple times about time management and all of this all comes back to time management. These all every every single thing that we talk about on this show really goes back to to a dusting of time management. It's always it's always there. Well, that's why they say um, real estate is just about following a schedule. 
Right. Like that's it's so true. Okay, so so you've got me um I've I've signed your your loyalty agreement and I've a spit in a handshake and I say, "Okay, now what?" Yeah. So what what else do you have in your system for buyers? Well, so all of our buyers are put on in RMLS we have something called concierge settings which allows us to filter and choose what listings we're sending them. So we go through the consultation and we get, we're going to understand what they want and need in a house beyond I want a 32 with 1500 square feet. Beyond that, like what are their actual needs um, in a home? What do they like? What are their interests? Where you know, where do they work? Why is that important to them? Blah blah blah. And then we're going to set up that search just like a lot of agents do, but we're not putting them on a drip email campaign. And we're, we're setting it so that the listings come to us first before we approve them to go to the buyers. And is that more time? Like, I know we just talked about time management, but that's a little bit more time. But it saves you time in the long run. It does. So a couple reasons why we do that. And again, this is all through trial and error and realizing what works and what doesn't. The biggest reason I started doing that was because... I kept meeting buyers and having consultations with people who had fired their agent and said um, that the, the reason they didn't like their previous agent was because they were sending them a bunch of listings that were not what they were looking for. Because they were on a drip campaign. Because they were like just on a time. drip. And if I put you on a drip, let's say you want to buy a house and your budget is 300000 If I put you on a drip and I just put in, because I'm a lazy agent and I just put in three hundred and under in the map area or maybe just the zip code, not even the map. I say, what what areas do you like? And you say 32803. That's a big zip code here in Orlando uh, and a lot of different, types, <laughs> different communities. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I just put you on that drip. You are going to get everything from $0 to 300,000 in that zip code, which may not be in the school zone that you need. It may not be in the the area, the neighborhoods that you like. It may not be near the park that you wanted to be near. All the way down to the style of home you want. And the price range is a huge factor too. Like $150,000. And first of all, you can't find anything for that price. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you could, it would be a lot less attractive than the house that actually fits their budget. And they're going to start to get these listings that are, they're going to start to say like, this does not like I don't like this at all. Why are they sending me right. this? Right. Well, well, what it, they don't know, they don't know they're on a drip campaign or what that is. So what right. they see is a realtor that doesn't know what I want. Yes, that's what they see. So that was the number one factor. I heard that like five times in a row, and I was like, I, I think I was already using um, a filtering system, but this was before concierge. I was just having it sent to myself and then going in. But once I heard that, um, and then they, they set up in our MLS concierge, I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Now I can approve the listings before they go out. So now I'm saving myself time. Cause I'm not sending them a bunch of stuff that I know doesn't work for them. And then they might say, can I go see this? Right. That was my going to be my next point. Yeah. Because if I set up a search under 300,000 and I don't really put in a lot of details, they're going to get a lot of listings and they might say, Ooh, I really like this location. I know it looks like it needs a lot of work, but I think we can make it work when I've just seen it yesterday and it's about to fall down. So I can eliminate the things that I know based on what we talked about are not going to match their needs, saving me time and saving them time. And telling them because you know they are going to go on Zillow or whatever and look and say, well, what about this house? Well, and I always tell people 
Like if you see something somewhere else and you're interested in it, just let me know, Mm -hmm. but just know that I'm going to, I'm going to sort out the stuff that doesn't match your needs. Yeah. And I've heard you say the reason why I didn't send you that house is because that house doesn't have a pool. And you said you wanted a pool, which instigates a new conversation about buyer need, about what their buyer needs actually are Yes, and stuff. So, yeah, well, yeah, it, it does. Then that, that's, that forces them to have another conversation. Like, should we change the search? Like, do we need to do that? But that's just all part of the system is they're they're Once we meet with them and they sign the loyalty agreement the next day, they're going to get the email with the, um, the video that explains how to use the MLS search and that we're sending them listings that only match their needs and reminding them if they see something somewhere else to call us. And then including for sale by owners. Right. Of course course those for sale by owners are still trying to sell their house too so yeah and then we even have you know then the next thing is like when they're ready to see houses we have a specific email canned response for their showing itinerary so that no matter who is working with them it's like it looks the exact same it tells them where they're going when they need to be there where we're meeting has the the information that they need for their showings and it's duplicatable. It's just a canned response email. And I just fill in the blanks and that just makes it really easy. And then they also know that then they know what to expect every time they're going to see properties. They know that I'm going to send that to them in advance and they can plan their day around it. Right. It's helpful for everyone. It's helpful. The system helps us not forget any of the steps. We know exactly what happens next. And then the, the it also helps the consumer because they know what to expect too. It's all like communication with them and explaining to them what's going to happen. Which is really something that's super important because as a buyer, maybe first time home buyer, regardless of, of how many homes they've bought in the past, uh, they, they might not, they don't know you and they don't know the, they're nervous and there's a lot of anxiety. And so having somebody who's telling them exactly how this is going to work ahead of time and then following those steps exactly will put a sense of calm in them and also will help you later on when offers are being negotiated and you're giving them advice of what they could do or should do, they're more likely to listen to what you're saying. So you're really helping yourself right right from the beginning for the future. And, uh, well, we talked, we've kind of interlaced this in, but like when you hire someone else, like if I need Kayla to schedule showings for me, well, she knows what the process is too, because it's just a duplicatable system that we've documented. Like, here's how we're going to do it. And that itinerary was something that we've added, like since you've been around and you helped make that look pretty. And yeah, we, you, we have a, a book, yeah. a book that where everything is written out exactly how to do this so that when somebody else does come in, you know, too, and it, it's done in a way where, because I am your personal assistant, so I'm in your email, it's sent through your email they know no difference. They see it as if it's from you because it's a template and it looks identical to what you would have sent them as well. Yeah. Well, and if I, if we brought in a showing agent or we brought in a buyer's agent or whoever joins the team, they're going to have that exact same can response. So then if, um, you know, my client's brother wants to buy a house and I have a showing agent, you know, set up the showings for them, they're getting the exact same thing that the brother got. Right. Same and expectations. Same exact thing. And then that's where that's all 
all communications and expectation setting and all of that. But speaking of communication, then you also have to decide part of your system is then how often are you communicating with people? And you, you get to choose again, all of this is like, it's just your business process and what works for you and how you're going to communicate with people. The important thing is to sit down and figure these things out, write them down and then stick to them. Yeah. Well, like, and so we've always said with, with buyers that we touch base with them every Friday, even if there's no properties available to send, but usually there are. So it's easy to keep in communication with them because there's new listings coming on all the time. Then they're not calling you on a Tuesday wondering what's going on. Yeah. Saving your time. Yeah. You tell, you tell, they know right from the first day, I will be in touch with you every single Friday. Yeah. Well, and then uh, not to get on the listing side, but then, you know, same thing on the, on the listing side, we have a specific set of communications that they know are going to happen too. So then they know what to expect. And it's really easy because it's just a canned response that we go in, fill in the details and we send out and then know the next day as a call. And so again, it just, it makes your life easier back to that time management things it makes your life easier. If you write everything down as you kind of hone what your checklist or your system and process looks like that, those are just some things that we've done for specific reasons through our our buyer process. And now anybody that gets hired on, like that's their process too. And it's just, here you go. Here's your buyer manual and here's your canned response emails and you're ready to go. Now all you have creations. Yeah. Now all you have to do is, you know, go do a couple open houses and call your sphere. (laughs) Get people to like you and like people and find them homes. That's it. Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. So now we've, we've, we were getting a, our our curated campaign of of houses in, and um, I want to. Wow, this one fits perfectly with what I want. So n- now what? Well, I call you up and I say, or I send you an email and say, Catherine, 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 this is the house. This is the house. I have to go see it. We need to go see it. This is the one I want. Uh huh. And then I say, okay, great. <laughs> and then I ask them what they want offer well they would already have their pre-approval um they better (laughs) um but yeah no then we i mean we'd have to figure out what offer terms they want to make but we would say okay great let's do a market analysis and see what the homes that have been selling for are and then we write up the offer and then i this is again this is a policy that i have said this is really important we don't let people go to sleep without an update on an offer. Meaning if we have an offer submitted for a buyer and we're waiting on a response, I'm going to check in before the end of the day, like like 6 p.m., 6.30 and see if we have any kind of update and I'm going to update them. so that. And then I'll say like, hey, I haven't heard anything yet. Um, so it's probably going to be tomorrow before we hear back now. But I just wanted to let you know because I don't want anyone to go to sleep without knowing that their offer was presented and we still don't have a response or if we do what it is. Because just by doing that simple little thing, uh, it lets your buyer's anxiety disappear because they know that you are out there working for them. Yeah. Keeping your eyes on things. And that you're, yeah. And that they're important. It's a small thing, but it means everything. Yeah. But you have to, you have to, um, same thing with, we talked about at the very beginning with the SpaceX thing, like you have to, um, 
I know the vision for going to Mars is much bigger than what I'm about to describe, but you have to, you have to explain the vision for this process to the people that are working with you. And you have to explain it to the people who you're working with as consumers. So they know exactly what's going to happen. And then when you actually deliver on that, I mean, that's, that's how you have referrals. That's how you have a really strong sphere and past client referral database, because they're, they're like, wow, that girl never let me go to sleep <laughs> wondering what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> so that is that, that one, I, I can't really target a specific reason I started doing that. I just thought it was the courtiest thing to do. Well, but communication I, is one of your values. It's one of your core values. And that's it's true. And, and, we, and organization. That's true. We said we we've set our values for like what is the right. Think Live B team all about, and communication is one of those. And it sounds like it could be that could be the value for any uh, business or organization. But when you put it into practice and you make it part of the system for like here's how we're going to follow up on for a buyer from the time of this to the time of this, and you make it part of it, then it really um, makes life easier. It, just exist it exists and it actually it people see that yeah they, they know you're living by those those values yeah well that's that's the main part is that living by those values it's it's what you would expect with what from any other company and when you don't get that it, it's frustrating and you wanted to make sure and want to make sure that nobody ever feels frustrated on the, on that end it also just from a time management angle if you call or text that buyer at seven o'clock and say, I have not heard back, um, which means that we're going to hear back tomorrow. Uh, I will let you know as soon as I hear back from them, you don't wake up with messages that you have to instantly return. You can do what you're supposed to do, which is prospecting in the morning. And you, Otherwise, you are on the phone with a buyer at 9 a.m. when you're supposed to be calling your sphere or calling open house leads or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And in fact, I get anytime because you, you will have people, even if you're totally on top of your communication, you'll still have every now and then somebody will reach out to you before you can get to them and say like, hey, have you heard anything? And every time I see that, I look at I'm like, that is a fail. Like if we opportunity it, fail. Yeah. Opportunity. That's so positive. Um, so but, optimistic. But, but yeah, if, if somebody's reaching out to us before we've called them, then we missed, yeah, we missed an opportunity there because we were supposed our system is set up so that we get to them and we reach them and we're more proactive, um, than they ever could be. <laughs> well, then more proactive than what they would expect, which yes. is how you, get rich repeat business. Yes. Are there any other, uh, buyer, uh, systems in the process? Um, well, yeah, that, that you've created because of things that have happened in the past or anything like that. Uh, I, well, I like Kayla. We use, um, we use folio right now as our actual contract to close system. Yeah. Timeline of activity. So it's like actually the checklist of, like we said, there's the system and process. It's and called, it's called folio folio. Okay. Yeah. We use that right now and we've used different things for that, that checklist. Um, this one, what I like about it is that the consumer, you can invite them to see the 
the timeline as well. And so they can see when the due dates are. And I actually, we just closed on some with somebody last week and, um, he mentioned how much he loved being able to just, it, it gave him, I think he said, I, I may not be quoting him exactly right, but like he was so calm and like stress, stress free because he just could kind of look at that and see like, yeah, we're on track and everything is updated. So Kayla, you know, that's her as, as her job being transaction coordinator as well. She's in there doing the actual day-to-day check off of like, okay, we've got the contract. We sent the file to the office. We, this, we did this. And before folio, we used, um, dot, dot, well, we used dot loop, um, which was clunky and like uh, tedious. I should say dot loop is a fine company. It's just their checklist part at the bottom. Like the actual electronic signature stuff was fine. Um, but the, the checklist part was really hard to manage, but that we could also share with the consumer. So that's why we used that. And again, it all goes back to communication because years ago, I don't know if you remember this, Pat, but I made Google like free Google websites do you remember that? I remember the Google websites, but I don't remember. So I had a spreadsheet. Oh yeah, I do remember that. A spreadsheet right. of tasks for contract to close. And then I would embed the spreadsheet into a private Google site. And then I would give that to the consumer. Yeah. And that way they could still see what happened. So even before we had... It was the idea of tracking, of 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 settle, settling their anxiety by they so that they could see that something was happening and that you were and where they were in the process at all times. It's like, this sounds, this is ridiculous, but it's like the pizza tracker, yeah. like for Domino's <laughs> or... So, oh, so it, it's like that helps rather than when you used to have to call you call a pizzeria and order a pizza and it's like when is that pizza getting here oh just like uber eats like you want to know like to be able to see where the person is on the on the timeline and know when they're going to arrive then that's just food guys yeah this is a house yeah yeah so it's like it's like people and now people expect those kinds of things so when they don't get it the anxiety goes even higher well, I love like, so we, we started using Folio, um, probably like a year ago. Well, it's two years now. Oh, was it? Oh my gosh. I don't know what yeah. day it is. Um, <laughs> you don't know what year it is. <laughs> I don't know what year it is. But when we started using that, uh, I, I want to say, and I could be wrong, Kayla, you correct me, but maps coaching. So I've been in maps coaching for quite a few years now and they have kind of, um, like, a check in with yourself, like what about your systems and processes and tools? And do you need to upgrade anything? And is or like, how do you rank yourself? And then you kind of assess like, how can we make this better? So I think we might've upgraded to Folio at that time when we were kind of yeah. looking at, you know, we wanted the same approach. Like I want it, I want consumers to be able to see it. And then, um, uh, but I want it to look nicer than dot loop and, or function better than dot loops checklist. And I want it to look way better than the Google sheet on, on my yeah. free Google site. And now with Keller Williams, like we haven't set this up yet, but they have the whole guide on your app. So now we can just have people download our app and then move as we move them through the process on our back end, it will update them automatically right. and send push notifications and all okay. those things. Yeah. So, so what Keller Williams created, uh, I'm like, I've been waiting for this for years. I've been trying to figure out how to do this on stupid Google sheet <laughs> 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 10 years ago. <laughs> but anyways, but 
again, it's just all about communication and and how to make that process. So I think checking in with yourself every year and seeing like, what is our system for this? And then, um, and then you grow too. Cause like we're, as we're hiring, we have to make systems for hiring because otherwise you'll never remember to check any resumes and you'll never remember to, um, to do the quarterly payroll taxes. Well, that's a, that's a whole different thing. That's a very important one to not So Kayla (laughs) needs to put together a checklist for payroll tax returns. (laughs) Yes, I do. I I will own that. It's been far too long for me to miss one. So missing April's is not, not, there's no excuse to that. So shame, shame, shame. Owning it. Yeah. That's awesome. Own it. You don't see that very often. Good job, Kayla. Well, it's like. Like even when I worked in a, a bar, there was a closing checklist. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. this is how they you make still sure. They own the cleanup the night before. They never cleaned up right. They didn't, <laughs> didn't pump the wines. I don't care. <laughs> well, did they have to check off what who they did an initial beside it? Uh, yes, we had for my bar that I worked at, we had closers and they checked off the people and then the manager checked off the closer. Well, they weren't doing their job then. Now, so the manager should have gone to the people who initialed next to their things and said, you didn't do this properly. You didn't do this. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But but you have that so that you don't forget because, you know, you you get busy at the end of the night and all you want to do is go home because it's three in the (laughs) morning. I'm reliving my my bartending days. Three in the morning. It's later than that. Four. Four. (laughs) Didn't bars close at 2 a.m.? Yeah, but, you know, you don't get people out of there until 2.20 by the time you you do it and then count. We'd be home, by we get home at like 4.30. Okay, well, it's been a long time, so I don't really remember. uh, But I just remember, you know, doing the closing duties. It's not that you don't know, you remember in your head, but it would, it's really easy to skip one because you just want to get out of there. And if you did that, then everything would be sticky. (laughs) (laughs) You could just apply that to real estate. Of course. (laughs) It's Don't have a sticky transaction. Follow your tra- checklist. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> the Think Look B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Live B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. <laughs> so uh, you were talking at the end there about hiring. We said in the last episode that you were going to uh, start hiring, start hiring again. Yeah. And uh, how's that working out it's, real quick? It's good. Yeah. We decided to start using a, a service called Wise Hire. Um, speaking of checklists and processes is uh, the reason I decided to do that is because it already has it kind of built in. It's kind of got like a drag and drop. You kind of move people through the process of, um, you know, like interviewing or are they qualified interviewing in person interview hired, et cetera, whatever. Um, and then it also automatically does the disc assessment with them. It gives them the, the, we talked about that personality assessment before and how much I love it. And, 
So it automatically gives them that assessment and then ranks their personality based on the role that you've described you're hiring for, which is cool. Um, Yeah. And it's, you know, there's a cost to that service. Um, So we're kind of curious to see the the quality candidates we get, but I guess it it posts to 60 plus job sites instead of like we've always used Indeed before. And, um, you know, it's Indeed's a great site, but um, I think Wise Hire is posting there as well as 59 other sites. So might as well do that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's leverage. We'll see what that yeah, excited, excited yeah. to see how that works and um, if that helps our hiring system. Great. <laughs> well, we'll keep we'll keep everyone posted on on uh, what happens with that. So uh, we have time for our little segment at the end of the show. So um, we've got a new segment today. Oh, here's the theme. So I like that. Yeah. So this segment is called Who Are You? Okay. So this is kind of like a game, sort of like uh, one of the other segments we have. This is a little game. So what happens is I am a buyer and I'm looking for a home. Okay. Okay. You got that? You got that, Kayla? Okay. So. I'm a fictional character. I'm fictional character. And this is uh, based on movies and TV. Okay. So I'm going to read a series of statements. Your job is to guess who I am. Or if you can't guess who I am, it's to guess what movie or TV show I'm from. But the person, if you can guess who I am, you're going to get top billing on that. That person's going to win. Okay. And so I'm going to so I'm gonna re- start reading the statements. Oh, when, it, when you know who it is or what TV show it is, if you, you, you then you can, um, you buzz in by saying your name. Okay. Okay. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm nervous. Does that make sense? Okay. So here's the first one. I'm going to mess my name up now. (laughs) Here's the first one. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for an old Victorian home around $350,000. If the interior has an L.L. Bean feel or our interior designer can change that. We love glass block and acid blue and dark faux finishes. We need plenty of room because the woman of the house is a sculptor. Oh, gosh. The house should have a large attic. <laughs> please, um, please, nothing haunted. I, I know the buzz. It's this cat. I know um, it's Beetlejuice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So okay, so now you you now Kayla, you can if you know the name of the character of the character, then you don't you then you can get the point. (laughs) If you don't know the name, then I won't. My hands are here. Okay, so so Catherine gets the point. The name. Oh, are you going to tell us the name though? The name is Deet. And Sarah. Deets. Oh, I couldn't remember. What was it? Deets. 
don't even remember yeah. that. <laughs> okay, so okay, we would have never gotten that. Okay, but you guys got the point. So okay. Catherine's got the point. Okay, okay, so this is number two. Okay, <laughs> looking looking for an apartment in the arts district, preferably three bedrooms, but we can convert it to four. We've got we're looking for early twentieth century architecture with modern and eclectic styles. We have a vintage bohemian industrial thrift store aesthetic. So we would like our apartment to reflect that. <laughs> this is a tough we, one. We want hardwood floors and large windows. We also need enough space for our large sectional. <laughs> a large blue industrial door is a must. Open kitchen with tall ceilings are a must. Actually, a loft style space is ideal. Broken utilities are a part of life. We get it. Uh, um, wait, Buzz. Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. No, you have to know. No, what... I know, I know, Jess. Yes. <laughs> new girl from New Girl. I've never seen. What? New girl. I'm only on Ca episode. Catherine, two. this I'm is sorry. Or, or, She's beautiful. Eyes. Kayla, this is this was uh, actually very difficult once I started because I was like, oh, I have to pick stuff that I know Kayla knows, and I thought for sure that I can't was. Believe you've never seen New Girl. Okay. All right, we'll go watch that. I now that now that you said that though, I I think of their apartment and I remember what it looks like. Uh, that the makes next sense. the the last does. two clues of that were uh, surly landlord is expected and <laughs> urinals are not a deal breaker. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Ooh. Okay. You have a chance to to come back, Kayla. Right. You can still come back. Okay. The next one. I'm looking for a modern home, preferably something designed by modernist architect A. James Speyer. Preferably, the home is set onto the edge of a densely wooded ravine containing two decidedly modernist buildings a four-bedroom house built in 1953 and a separate pavilion built in 1974. Both rectangular glass and wood box frames with steel and both lifted above the ground on pylons. It needs to be beautiful. The home will be kept very cold and you're not allowed to touch anything. <laughs> I want to say uh, Dwight. No. <laughs> it needs to have space for classic cars. One of one of those cars is a 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California Buzz. Spider. Buzz. Catherine? Well, I don't know. Okay, I'm not sure. I was going to say Tony Stark. No. Okay, because the, that house you're describing wasn't modern. it, but it was modern architecture. There's one more clue. There's one more <laughs> yeah. clue. The last place that I lived at, the Ferrari got destroyed and ended up in the ravine. Oh, darn. Um, Ferris Bueller. Correct. <laughs> it's Cameron. I did Can see that. I did see that movie. Don't yell at me. <laughs> it was only last year, though. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, oh, that was fun. I've got. I've got. I've got another one. <laughs> oh okay. Oh, let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking for a colonial revival built in 1925. We want the front to be inviting with fan lights and side lights. We can install a basketball hoop by the garage if one isn't already there. Two stories are preferred. Our daughter likes to slide on the banister. Buzz. Catherine. Father of the bride. That is correct. <laughs> Father of the bride. <laughs> okay. I swear I didn't know these in advance. No. Okay. Last. 
I am going to man up on my movies and my music and my TV shows. That's La- it. I'm done. Last done one. This. Okay, you have one more to redeem yourself. <laughs> I'm going to take one. One one W for the team. That's I live alone. I'm looking for a one bedroom, one bath apartment. I would like beadboard wainscotting if possible. AC is not necessary. I have some frame vintage Porsche posters, so I need wall space. I also need a place to hang a bicycle would be ideal. I can remove any upper cabinets in the kitchen if I have to. I would like to be able to walk to restaurants and the fro- and a frozen yogurt shop. I expect my neighbors to be nosy. <laughs> that's all the frozen yogurt. That's all. The, that's all the clues. Um. I keep thinking of Parks and Rec. I'm no, sorry. It's Seinfeld. Wait, what is what? Seinfeld. There's posters of uh Yeah. <laughs> Frozen yogurt. Who is that? Jerry? Is it yeah. Seinfeld? Yeah. Is it Jerry? Okay. Jerry. I didn't know there are uh frame posters of Porsches. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense because he's got his... He's a car guy. Car guy. He's got his comedians in cars. Or yeah. Com- that makes comedians sense. Comedians... What com- is it? Com- comedians in cars getting coffee. Getting coffee. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. yeah getting Do you, coffee. you see that? Yeah. Like yeah. That one. It's better than karaoke. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good... That's a fun <laughs> thing to watch. Kayla, did you do your homework and see Glengarry Glen Ross yet? I did. And I have definitely heard a lot of those excuses before. <laughs> <laughs> coffee is for closers. <laughs> You liked it then? I I did like it. I I remember more from the beginning, but I really liked Alec Baldwin's speech and I definitely wish that I can be that <laughs> that abrupt in the world, but I know that I can't, so I shouldn't. But it was very inspiring and it it drove me to want to pick up the phone myself. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she no but way. she did not. <laughs> but she yeah, but she but and I decided not. not to. So <laughs> I choose not to. <laughs> All right. Awesome. La- last segment on the sh- show, guys. Small win. Cat, what's yours? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll I'll put the theme in. Oh, later. okay. Yeah. Oh. Apologize. I <laughs> apologies. Um, you know what? I had a really nice weekend. I um, <laughs> that's so, so boring, but I did uh, w- did some work stuff. But on Sunday, but we also we got some uh, little snacks and wine delivered from a local little place, um, and then sat by the pool for a bit. And I just thought it was a really good mix of work and fun balance. Like I was able to get in the pool and just enjoy the day, but also felt productive and, you know, had a listing of consultation and did stuff, but it was just a good mix and balance, which is what, you know, we try to do every day, but it doesn't always work that way. So balance. Balance. I found it for just a moment. It was Mm -hmm. fleeting. (laughs) Kayla. A small win. We decided on floors and paint color. So obviously not buying them yet, but we bought one box of floors. They're hardwood floors 
and got some sample colors for our living room and our bedrooms. Nice. It's only Getting paint. Real. One thing to remember, it's only paint. So put it up on the wall. If it doesn't look good, you can just paint over it. People people get, people get so afraid with paint colors and not sure. You just buy buy a, a quart of it or a gallon of it, throw it up there, see what happens. And then if you don't like it, then uh, then it. you change it. Yeah, super. Well, I had to really fight Sean on this one because he wanted all the walls to be blue, like a bright blue, like a light bright blue. Oh, no. So what is he, a I elementary a school bit. boy? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And he's colorblind. So it's like you don't. What? Have to well, the then time. he doesn't get an argument if he's colorblind. <laughs> right. You don't. You get no decision at all. <laughs> no, but it, no, the one that we agreed on is a nicer blue, and I've limited it to the living room. So we okay. found middle. Nice win. <laughs> Balance. And my small win is very small, but I had some leftover butcher block from when I built the cabinets in or the uh, countertops in the guest house here, and it was it's a piece about. 24 28 inches wide and it's probably about 18 inches it's probably like 18 by 24 i guess and uh, i turned it into a giant cutting board yeah for the kitchen looks awesome i saw it on instagram yeah it does look awesome and and that is that is a nice little thing that i've always i'm so sick of little warped Uh, silicon <laughs> cutting boards that fall apart and just and all of that so to have one nice big cutting board that everything can go on i know it sounds oh silly geez. but this is a small win so that's true. that's very, that's a small 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 win <laughs> nice so anyway and i get to benefit from all the things all that you cooking, chop up on which there is, it is <laughs> time to go start doing now so oh, yes. remember to rate and review us on itunes it helps new listeners to find us you can also send questions we need some questions guys send them in uh or any stories anything else anything about your systems that you use or any of that stuff send it into us at our website on seeking you can leave us a voice message there and we'll play it on the show send us a tweet at seek the best pod and for cat kayla and myself thanks for for listening and we'll figure this all out next week. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.